The other thing too is that if the client calls us, we would never charge them for it. And a lot of consultant companies do. And the reason here is that we want our customers talking to us. The more they talk to us, the more money we make. So don't put any barriers in the way that, oh, we have to make money. I think of how much time it's winning. How can I build my dream business with limited time and resources? How do I level up my marketing? How can I make my brand stand out even more? These were just some of the questions I asked myself when my business started to grow. And these are the ones that my clients consistently come to me with. Well, maybe they don't outright tell me that they have seven or eight bigger ambitions. But after a while, once they get to know one another, that's exactly where they're at too. I'm Deirdre Martin, the host of the Master Your Business podcast, which is a live workshop style branding, marketing and customer experience podcast. And if you've been asking yourself any of those questions, this is the show for you. You'll learn actionable step-by-step tips that help businesses like yours gain clarity and illuminate your path to business success. This show brings you branding and marketing tips, social media strategies, customer experience trends and insights, sales strategies, business and mindset hacks, and inspirational and authentic entrepreneurship stories to help you master your dream business and much more. I'll share tangible, actionable, no-fluff advice that I use to accelerate my business success, how I went from being a bank manager, loaning out six and seven figure sums, and helping people invest that amount of money too, to helping people make that amount of money instead. I'll share how I became an industry thought leader in marketing and customer experience using digital courses, keynote speaking, and co-authoring a number one bestseller all within my first year of business. I learned a lot since I started my business, but I learned even more beforehand. Along with sharing my best kept secrets, you will find the show to be filled with interviews with industry experts who share their secrets to ensure you are seen, heard, and hired by your ideal clients. With a growing number of subscribers and downloads, it's your turn to hear from the experts in the Master Your Business podcast Get motivated and empowered to tackle your most significant challenges along your path to your version of business success. Welcome back to the Master Your Business podcast, the show that brings you the brightest ideas and the most engaging conversations in the most delightful way possible. I'm your host, Deirdre Martin, and I have a real treat for you today. In this special episode, we're diving into the captivating world of business purpose and growth strategies, but with a unique twist. If you've ever wondered how to propel your business from merely surviving to truly thriving, well, then you're in the right place. Keep listening, my friend. I'm thrilled to have Skip Bowman, a renowned consultant and creator of the Safe Too Great concept as our guest speaker today. And let me tell you, he has got the insider scoop on transforming your business with a purpose-driven vision and innovative growth tactics. With a book coming out in September 2023, you will definitely want to pay attention to what Skip has to say. And if you're like me and you grew up watching Neighbours and Home and Away, you'll love listening to Skip all the more. So yeah, I'm singing those theme songs in my brain right now. (laughs) 
Anyway, grab your favorite cup of motivation, find your comfy spot, and let's get inspired with Skip as we explore the secrets to unlocking your business's full potential. This is definitely one episode you won't want to miss. And after you've listened to it, make sure to please scroll on down to the end of the episode and rate or review the episode wherever you're listening in. Okay, let's get to it. Skip, I am so excited to have you on the Master Your Business podcast. You are very welcome. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, listen, please tell everybody who you are, where you're from, what you do. Tell them all of the things. Yeah, in like 10 words. Um, <laughs> yeah, Skip Bowman, uh, Australian, which most of your guests will realize. I'm an organizational psychologist and work with you know, small organizations and big organizations over the last 25 years sort of helping them via leadership to create growth. Um, I've been sort of researching and working on those ideas around growth mindset, which is a bit of a hot idea at the moment. I've actually been working on that for about six or seven years to write a book and to research it and sort of find the secret ingredients that help organizations, big and small, uh, sort of grow their people, grow their teams uh, and grow their business. That's more or less who I am. Amazing. I love that. And I love growth mindset. And what's the name? What's the name of the book you've written, Skip? Oh, gosh, I forgot. Uh, safe <laughs> to Great, I should say. Um, and the safe part comes that uh, the, the book sort of combines the thinking of Amy Edmondson, in, who wrote a great book around fearless organizations, which is about psychological safety. And the title is sort of takes inspiration from a very famous leadership book called Good to Great, written by Jim Collins quite a long time ago, which is a bit of a, a classic. So I kind of reinvented that name and called it Safe to Great, you know, and hopefully sell lots and lots of books because I'm an entrepreneur, so I need to sell, sell, sell. I love it. I love it. And I've read Jim's book, Good to Great, and I've read Carl Dweck's book about growth yep. mindset. And what I'd love to delve into with you today, Skip, is, I mean, you have an extensive background when it comes to business and organizational psychology and psychological safety and all of those things. But really fundamentally, in terms of business and business growth and, and where things stem from, comes back to that all-important why and why a business exists and why it's important. Can you talk to us about that purpose and and things from that side, Skip. Yeah, crucial to to any business is purpose and vision. Um, you know, it's a lot about how do you sort of like align and bring the people together in your business. But likewise, how do you mobilize and 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 find resources and help outside of your business? It kind of goes both ways. A lot of people don't really think about it like that. A lot of visions become very internally oriented. You know, we want to be the best printing company or the you know, the best marketing company. But if you want to really build a network, you have to have a vision and purpose that is somewhat bigger than that. So other people can say, hey, I'd like to help you with that. Um, and that's what we're seeing this trend to sort of like you know, more what I call ecosystem thinking. In other words, you're building visions and purposes, even in small businesses, that somehow make people want to put their hand up and say, I want to work there. I want to buy there. 
Um, I want to, I want to sell my products. I want to support that business in some way, shape or form. And I think entrepreneurs thinking in that way, whether we call it community centric, um, can, can really tap into both locally, but potentially globally, a, a complete different tribe, a different audience, that kind of thing. Small or big, it's the same thing. Um, so I think vision is super important in that, in that process. Oh my gosh, I love the term community centric. I've never actually heard that said before. Customer centric, yes. Uh, People centric, yes. But community centric, no. And I love that because that encompasses everyone, right? Yeah, it's just, it's. I suppose there are some marketing books about find your tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether we call it tribe or community, I, I, th- I think that that you know if we look at what we're concerned about as businesses is two things. One, we want to find like-minded people who like our products and services because they like us, but we also want to be giving back in some way. There's, there's just ways of creating a, a, a more, more loyal uh, kind of, you know, customer if they perceive you as adding value beyond, you know, making money for yourself, et cetera. Mm. And that's really important. I think a great example of that recently was the founder of Patagonia. Have you heard the story about that? Yeah. Yes, I mentioned. I I have mentioned in my book. It's a very super super really good example. Yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of you know, sort of setting the way. I mean, no no company has quite taken the steps that they have taken to sort of like turn everything around. I mean, they don't they don't even try to sell new clothing. <laughs> Um, because they believe you should, you shouldn't, you know, you should recycle or reuse, etc. Um, you know, led the way in all sorts of ways of sort of understanding how businesses should be, you know, n- not just financially focused. In other words, they're what's called a B company. Um, so they they sort of like are set up in ways that make goals like you know caring for the environment, caring for communities, are not just nice to have but are actually parts of how the company assesses its performance that's what makes patagonia and all these other types of big companies very unusual because normally companies are only measured on financial success so that's in fact their responsibility but here we're starting to see companies breaking free of that and saying well we want to be held accountable in just the same way to a whole series of other issues whether it be to people or to the planet etc that's cool it's a great example and nice clothes and haven't they saved a forest or something like that i mean it is it is it is quite inspiring i don't i don't know whether all of us can live up to to that but i think we can aspire to some of the ideas there there's also good commercial principles again they found their tribe you know Mm. they ask they they sell something to someone who digs that um and i really think that's that's an entrepreneur's always looking for who is it i'm selling to and how am I connecting deeper to that person beyond the products and services, but in ways that that are meaningful, that have values in them? Because we are what we buy. We are who we do business with. That's the kind of the, the world that, that we operate in. So I think Patagonia really grasped that and, I mean, has led the way for quite some time and continues to inspire. Cool Absolutely. Example. Yeah, it's a great example. And uh, it's one that I share often when I'm talking about purpose. And I suppose just to come back to that part with, you know, it's something that we can aspire to do or become with our businesses. But where should we start, Skip? Well, I mean, in my own business um, some years ago, and I'm in a consulting business, I sort of started to rethink that a bit. Um and I think it was simply, again, 
asking that question, why would somebody want to help me join me, invest in my business, buy from my products in a way that isn't just around price or product or service? What is it that I stand for, um, which isn't just the same? And and that led me to, you know, before I even wrote the book, coming up with the the mission for the company, which is making organizations safe for great work. And I've had that purpose now for, I don't know, seven years. Um, and in the consulting world, that's still a differentiating factor because most consultant companies don't talk about purpose particularly much or it's somewhat hidden. Um, you know, they might compete on other things like how smart are we or how fancy are we or et cetera. But, you know, I think as smaller businesses, we have to, again, you have to have a differentiation niche strategy. You can't be everything to everyone. Otherwise, it, I mean, it's not going to work. So that's, uh, it's starting to think about, you know, a beyond price and, and, and quality. What is it, what is it we do and what is unique about it or how can we make it more connected to something uh, where, you know, our buyers, our, you know, or even our employees would say, Hey, I want to work there. I want to buy there. That kind of question. What would that be? Mm. And like, you know, a lot of people, I think when, when they try to figure out what their purpose is, they think it's, well, we want to make millions. We want to become a six, seven, eight figure entrepreneur, but there's more to it than that. Right. Yeah. I mean, not everyone has thought about what they're trying to do, but, but if you just say, I'm just trying to make money for myself, it's never, that's just, that's not a, you got to imagine sitting down at a dinner party and saying, what do you do? Uh, I have a business and it makes a million. Wow. Um, you got to imagine that when you say it, people get curious and want to know more and get interested in it. And that's that's a little bit of a marker of whether you're on the right track. So when I say, you know, make organizations safe for great work, people go, oh, that's, um, you know, what is that? I think it should generate curiosity. Um, and, and of course, you know, you could then generate visuals that can help you. But I think it starts with that. that, that and again, it's, it's outside in. It's imagining that somebody outside your company why would they be interested in you? If they read it, they'd say, I would like to buy there. I'd like to work there. I'd like to invest there because I like what I like what I hear. You know, I'd because I somehow it represents who I want to be. And that's that mm -hmm. sort of key, you know, that I back to I said before, you know, we we buy as a way of expressing who we are. So the brand that you create needs to be something other people want to be. I mean, that can be making zillions. I mean, there's the classic sort of like, you know, I have a six-digit consultant company kind of stuff. And then there's sort of like that self-achievement path. And, you know, Tony Robbins and many others do very well in that path. I think there are other ways to differentiate, um, you know, and it depends on what business you're in. I'm, I'm sort of moving into the, the green transformation world. So the Patagonia example you've given is a is a really cool one for that. But I think you have to look out there and sort of see, there's a lot of really amazing companies coming coming out that have really thought about not trying to be things to everyone, but really thinking about who are we and how does this stand out? It, because the, there is so much marketing out there. There's so much competition for attention. How will your story be unique? Uh, and and that and and you know in social media, how, how can you imagine Facebook followers wanting to read about what you do rather than just you know a product update? Or I mean that it's got to have that quality that it's interesting from a social media perspective. There's a story to tell of some sort. Otherwise, it won't really get any traction. 
Yeah, that makes complete and utter sense. And again, it comes back to that authenticity part and being relatable that I'm always talking about in my social media, right? And one of the things there that actually really, really resonated with me is that we buy as a way of expressing who we are, which again is comes back to our th- authenticity piece. Imagine somebody who's a business owner, Skip, and now they're perhaps at the stage where they're starting to hire somebody. And, you know, in terms of a growth mindset where they've been doing everything themselves, what sort of tips could you give them in terms of maybe creating that psychological safety, that organizational structure and design? Well, I think the hardest part for most entrepreneurs is having a bit of space to think about not just this great idea and that passion that they bring to the business, um, but starting to think a little bit about how they're creating the space for somebody else to follow. There's a really famous video called The Crazy Dancer, which talks about, you know, if you want to create a movement, you know, you've got to make it easy to, to be easy to follow. And in fact, it's not actually about you. It's being about realizing that the people, the one or two people that you've joined your company recently, if you're only a very small company, how do you make it easy for them to feel like they own the company too and are shaping it? Why do you want to do that? Because if you want to grow, you've got to have what I call first followers. Because most people don't follow the founder, they follow the followers, <laughs> the first follower. This is the idea. I keep reminding myself of it because, you know, I, I can become a, a dreadfully narcissistic, uh, obsessed, you know, business owner who think I know best in every manner of way. <laughs> but the reality is that I can't grow my business that way. And I'm, I've, I've continually fallen into that trap. Um, and I'm sort of building distributors at the moment. And the thought really crosses my mind constantly. Yes, I may not want to do it that way. It may not be the, you know, what I had in mind. But the point is they are the first followers. And if they're excited and feel enabled and feel there's an opportunity for them to contribute, that's the only thing that really matters. Now, of course, we don't want them to, you know, make lots of errors. But the reality is if they if you're too difficult to follow, you'll never grow your business. So how and- can you make yourself easier to follow? It, it's it's typically by starting to imagine that, I mean, if you're calling all the shots, if you're doing most of the work, you just got to try and shift that. That's where I think having somebody to either inside the company, outside the company to give you that sort of like sparring, that, that coaching, mentoring can help. Um, but it's really about constantly, and I say it to myself constantly when I'm meeting my, my distributors or partners is saying, Skip, it's about them. It's about their ideas. If if I overwhelm them, I'll, they won't be interested. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to write a book where everything's written. You know, it, it it's not interesting. Everyone wants to write their own story as it is. So you have to sort of say, okay, what do you want to do with this business? Where do you want to go? Um, you know, if you, you don't necessarily have to give them equity, but you have to think about it, that it's equity in a in an emotional sense that they have some sort of emotional equity in the business and what would that look like and that can help guide the conversations that you need to have with people and rather than just talk tactics all the time is to sit down and say well look once a quarter as you're saying well hey Deirdre how you doing you know I want to talk a little bit today about you know how, how you know what's going on around you where do you feel that you know where would you take this business if you're the owner of this business where would you go with it what kind of ideas would you have 
Yeah. I mean, even big businesses are doing, even big businesses are doing, the body shop has a youth council, um, 10 people that advise the board. Uh, and the idea here is to build equity, um, you know, so get emotional um, idea commitment equity of some sort. That's, and I think that's something you need to consider because um, otherwise you just tell people what to do because that's what founders do. <laughs> I love that. And I have you read the books by Howard Schultz about Starbucks? Have you ever read those books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful book. There are great, yeah. great stories in there about, you know, hiring people who are better than you, which I think probably lends to that as well. It's like not hiring for where your business is at now. It's hiring for where your business wants to get to. And I, I think in terms of equity, it's, you know, for me, and, and that's kind of what's springing to mind as, as you're talking about that, it's hiring people for the future, but giving them enough love or, or equity in some way where they feel they want to bring the company to that future vision. So, you know, when hiring and, yeah. and you're looking for those great followers, Skip, like where do you recommend that people start? You know, what are the sort of characteristics they need to get clear on to look out for when they're interviewing or trying to attract those followers? What's the starting point? Well, first, you've got to make yourself followable. <laughs> um, and that is a bit of work I would encourage. As I said, you know, great people who could be, you know, really contribute to your business, you could be scaring them off, which a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um. So you have to do a little bit of work on yourself and think about, you know, instead of thinking about why the candidate, why is the candidate good enough for you? Is are you good enough for the candidate? Um, I think there is that thinking that needs to turn it around quite a bit because the great candidates, you know, why would they want to go into a small business? Because, you know, it's high risk. You know, they prefer the corporate job or they prefer something safer. They're going to take a risk with you, right? Um, so, you know, I think you have to turn around a bit, not that they should run the show, but you have to ask that question, you know, how could this be attractive to them? How could we make this work? Those kinds of things. Um, and, and then of course, if you, if you've got your purpose, right, it does help because you're then saying, well, this is what we stand for. This is what this is about. Do you want to come and work with us? Cause it's cool to do what we do. Then it becomes a little easier. Um, you know, again, if we're going to recruit social, you know, through social media, you know, the various platforms, it's a bit easier that you've already started to establish a followership that's interested in, you know, who you are and what you do, as opposed to, oh, it's just another job. Because um, you don't want to compete on 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 money and stuff like that. You don't, you just don't want to be in that territory. And people yeah. stay because the purpose, the purpose is cool, you know, um, and they have good relationships. That's the only thing that really keeps them because um, we can never compete salary-wise with the larger organizations anyway. So, you know, it's good. we've got to have something else to offer. Um, mm. So they'd be, they, I mean, it's not, I don't know how specific that is, but I think certainly thinking about who you are and would, would, would you work for you? Um, thinking really hard about, you know, presenting, you know, your purpose and cause, what you're trying to achieve with things and, and how this is a different company and, then you need to work on your relationships. I mean, when, when people join the company, they need to feel that what you told them about the company is what actually happens. And, and sometimes that's also where an external, you know, board or people outside your company might be able to advise you on or give you that feedback to say, you know, how, how much fun, how cool is it working for your company? Or is it just like, you know, you know, as dull and boring as it working for a corporate? Mm. 
That's so interesting. And it's a little bit like a customer journey, but an employee journey in terms of how you make them feel when they come on board. So have you got any tips on that, Skip? Because you're really talking my language now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if we're talking about an experience of some sort, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, whether it's a customer experience or whether it's a an employee experience, here we're getting back to the the issue is how do you deliver it? If a lot of it's to do with behavior or, you know, the touch and feel that your service has, right, then you probably need some what are called heuristics. You need things in your head that you can say to yourself to remind yourself, okay, what are we trying to do here? I have it with with customers who might contact us and be a bit difficult. <laughs> and I say, you know, <laughs> You know, the one thing we've got lots of is love. Let's just give them some love. <laughs> just give them love. The only thing that matters because the cost of trying to find a new customer is horrific for an entrepreneur. <laughs> Don't even want to go down that path. Um, so give them some love, even though even though you're taking taking stick, you know, you've got to do it that way. Um, another one for me might be is that with the customer I'm saying is that it's my job to build trust, not the other way around. You know, in the sense that I have to invest in you trusting me. And that's why it usually takes quite a few months or even longer for, for me to build new customers. But I, I have to say to them, it's it's probably a bit of an, a strange thing, is that I'm the one who's going to work hard to build trust because I know that, you know, when you step into this and when you work with the kind of services that I provide, it's like hot air and clouds and stuff. You know, what is it that you're actually offering skip so you know there has to be that sense that i'm willing to invest in building that trust and understanding of what i do and and that's not going to cost them anything other than time you know working with us to get to know it so i have these kind of heuristics that create experiences um so that when i'm in that meeting or in that call or that i'm thinking in my head okay give them lots of love you know i'm investing in building the trust because that helps me stay sort of in the right sort of outwardly focused mode that I'm there trying to sort of in my language and my energy that I'm trying to make sure the customer or the employee is feeling special. Yeah, I love that. And I'm actually so, um, I'm so glad to hear you actually circle back and bring that to the employee internally, because, you know, I think, Without customers, we don't have a business, but we need the employees to be on the same page as us as entrepreneurs so that we can serve those people exceptionally. But that all comes back to culture and that feeling of, of safety in the business to be able to give feedback about things that aren't working well and whatnot. So let's say, you know, your business is your baby, Skip. <laughs> And as you start to grow and, and people do criticize you in relation to, you know, maybe a journey or an experience that they had, and that can be an employee or a customer, but how can an entrepreneur, you know, what tips do you have for them about adopting that growth mindset so they can take that criticism really constructively and turn it into an opportunity or a positive outcome? think you know because we always think we have the best idea or it was our idea and we've been working so hard at it for 12 years what the hell do you think <laughs> you know you can become pretty self-righteous um so you know i think it's really difficult i think always that it is that feeling that i've got money on the table which is part of the the huge problem of being an entrepreneur is that i mean yeah it's your house or whatever 
there's a lot at stake, right? And unfortunately, that even in my own head, that's always been so like, yeah, but it's my money. Um, and and that's a really that's not a growth mindset position, by the way. Any any sort of self talk that are like it's my money, therefore I decide, or it's my money, therefore I'm right, and they don't really appreciate my, you know, the risks I'm taking and 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 why I work so hard. Then you know you're in trouble. <laughs> At least from the employee perspective, you want to keep them. I mean, they're certainly not going to challenge you or you know necessarily feel special or important if you've got that kind of self talk going on in your head. Um, but it's pretty common. I mean, I've done lots of coaching of uh, of uh, small business owners too, and a lot of them sort of, you know, my family built this company and I inherited from my mother, and away we go. I go like, if you feel entitled, uh, that's never going to work. Um, and I think those businesses that have been able to really scale, you'll typically find an incentive in there that means that following was easy. And 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 yes, you know, if we're talking franchises and things like that, the financials need to be there. But there's also a massive relationship part, even in you know, in addition to the the mechanics of a franchise arrangement. You know, they want to feel special. They want to feel they're part of something. You know, that that's what that's what makes this thing work. Um, so I think being willing to ask the questions to really deep dive into how your team is, what they're thinking, how they're feeling currently is a good humble sort of thing. You know, we're going to have to eat humble pie here somewhere. Uh, it's one of the hardest things for these owners to do, but uh, you know, I, I, otherwise you eat it later and and a good employee buggers off as they'd say where I come from and <laughs> or really isn't performing well or, and then you wonder why did that work? Well, I mean, you know, we become so obsessed with what we're doing. We think that that's the only thing that matters. And that's a really tough battle. And that's, again, having somebody outside maybe pulling your socks up. In my case, it's my wife smacking me around at the dinner table saying, have you spoken to your team members today? Um, and that's really good advice. <laughs> so you need an independent person who's going to, you know, and even though you go, oh, you just have to suck it up and 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 get into it. Cool, cool. I love that. Okay, Skip. So, you know, the listeners to this show are really ambitious entrepreneurs. They're aspiring to make a lot of money, but also make a big impact, yeah. right? And I think that's really important because it, it is it does go beyond money. And in terms of your experience and successes you've achieved personally as an entrepreneur and successes you've helped clients achieve, what are your top three takeaways? that you can share with with my listeners here today? I never made it about the money. Um, yeah, and, and that may not be the right strategy, but it, it certainly can take something off the table which make you greedy, but also make you, and in, in a sort of like a positive way, but on a negative way, you know, it's like if, if something, if you're going to lose something, you get really caught up with it. You know, sometimes you need to give stuff away. You need to, as I said, you need to invest to build trust. So um, greedy is not a great place to be. And if, you're, if your sort of personal finances are in that space where you're counting every five cents, I don't know whether you're going to be fun to work with, to be honest. Um, because will you have the bandwidth to be able to create great followers in your business, great customer followers, you know, have that sort of, that's hard to say. So I think you have to watch that one. I think one of the early mistakes I made too is that, this has a little bit to do with followership is 
sometimes also with IP and and I've generated a lot of IP in my business over the years. I was too early at you know wanting to make money on the IP, and you need to think carefully about you know if somebody says oh hey we'd like to try this or work with this. And if you get too quickly saying, oh, don't think really hard about what it is, you know, is it really going to hurt you? Because if somebody shows interest in your business, almost no matter what it is, don't make it hard that they can sort of like, and of course, there'll be people who abuse that and take stuff from you and stuff like that. But, but the, the world is big. There's a lot of clients out there. Um, and so, you know, you'll soon work out if a client is is overusing, you know, is abusing that you know that the fact that you're generous and then you then you can you can stop it but the clients that really really appreciate it for example we have a, a strategy that that for example when we have a big project we have a maximum price you know, why would you do that because we want to give our decision makers the ability to say this is what it will cost and it won't cost any more we will not just deliver to what you've paid for we want to over deliver to it is our commitment to that. So I tell my team, I don't care if you spend more time. It's my money. So invest in the client, over-deliver. But we don't overcharge the client. We don't hide stuff from them. But that's just a just an example in, in my service business. Um, the other thing too is that if the client calls us, we'd never charge them for it. And a lot of consultant companies do. And the reason here is that we want our customers talking to us. <laughs> the more they talk to us, the more money we make. So don't put any barriers in the way that, oh, we have to make money. on. Think of how much time it's winning. Well, think how much time it takes to find a new customer, dude. I mean, some people are just crazy. Customer service is the best, is your best sales pitch. I mean, don't even go there. I don't know how much a new customer costs me. It's, it, I don't even want to think about it. But customer service, okay, a few extra hours here pretty irrelevant and it's you know it's uh, it's it's the way to go so there's just a couple of ideas about you know some success principles don't don't charge too much for your ip don't get too caught up oh i have to charge a thousand the other thing too i i, I also too price your business right particularly if you're in services don't get caught up that you want to charge like mckinsey you're never going to charge like mckinsey it's never going to happen so charge so it's easy to buy from you um particularly early in your development phase if you don't have a reputation, you need to make it easy to buy. And easy to buy can be through the services you provide, but also your pricing strategy and, and things like that. Don't don't over, overdo it. Make sure you don't set yourself up too expensive. I don't have an office anymore. Back just prior to COVID, I'd taken my company fully virtually. I mean, that was a fluke of nature. But you know, set your business up so you don't have unnecessary costs. And today, in reality, I don't know why you'd need an office anymore. For a lot of small businesses, I don't know why you bother. It's my, you know, I have a shed. It's a lovely shed. Uh, <laughs> I renovated the shed, but it's still a shed and it's a great office. I've turned it into a fish pond, as you and can see. It looks say. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. We fake it. It's all good. Nobody, and I work with top, you know, top executives. I mean, they don't care. There's fish behind me. It all looks good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so be, think really carefully about setting yourself up so you can price yourself right, so you're not too panicky that you can invest in the customers, make it easy for your customers to buy, um, reconfirm their choice with you, provide services, you know, you know, add things on top so they want to stay and that they or constantly feel that, wow, I just like working with you. I feel I get a better value proposition. I don't get surprises on my bill. All those kinds of things really matter um, in terms of, of of delivering on that promise of being, you know, 
a great person to buy, great person to work with, that kind of thing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> agree with yes, all please. of that. <laughs> uh, I yeah. totally agree with all of that. And uh, especially the part, I mean, in terms of giving away free value and IP, like I see so many entrepreneurs doing that, Skip. It's where they're, you know, they're afraid to give anything for free because for a couple of reasons firstly is they're afraid they're going to give away all of their ideas and secondly it's like you know I invested time and money and effort and all of the things in creating it so should I give it for free and and I kind of always respond to that with well do you want to be you know is it a good reputation to have whereby you are known for giving away incredible value for free like how bad is that number one Second thing is, if you give away incredible value for free, people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, if they gave that for free, what do you get when you work with them and pay them? Right. And then I suppose that the third view I have on that is. Even when you give things for free, people still need somebody to help them master it. Because the reason they've availed of the free thing in the first place is because they need some help there, right? Yep. Make it easy to buy. Don't overcomplicate it. I think there's a certain school about that sort of exclusivity that, you know, I don't want to look too hungry. I agree with that. Um, there's a certain art to that that the generosity looks like somebody who has a lot to give rather than a generosity, which because... I've I've got I've got nothing left. I, there's a different position here, and I work quite hard. You know, you know even even if it's a bit like I read those very early you know, entrepreneur books, um, which they always said, you know, no matter how good or bad your turnover is, always look like a winner. Um, and and there is some. I think it was Zig Ziglar who's one of my favorite. I just I love that name, Zig Ziglar. I mean, what, I mean, what a great name. Um. But there is something about that. So I think you need to need to consider, you know, that generosity, which I think is a good position. But to do it, always think that you're doing from a position of strength, right? And and project that in your emails and in your conversations with the client, you know? Don't position it as, a, hey, look, I don't have many customers this week and I'm giving it away. That's a bad angle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better to say that, you know, there's a lot of options out there and, there's a lot of risks about buying the right or the wrong product. I'd like to remove that that risk at least so you have an opportunity to try it before you buy. There's so many internet services that have a free service for you know a week or two or or, or even longer. Um, I'm just trying some fantastic software at the moment for growing my business and you know I tried it in the first week didn't cost me anything and it was awesome. <laughs> so of course I bloody bought it. <laughs> Amazing. Skip, yeah. it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And no worries. I want to tell everybody what's like what's coming up for you. Firstly, they've got to go and buy your book, right? Safe to great. Where can they get yeah. it? Amazon. <laughs> no, you get you can pre-order it on Amazon. It's available electronically and hard hardback from September. Online, there's lots of opportunities, and you can just reach out to me if you're curious about it. We're starting some pilots with some customers, you know, with some of the ideas, we're going to start a book club, the Safe to Great book club. So that's another way that we're going to be working on we'll be announcing that in the next few weeks. But, you know, the the, the book's coming out, worth reading it. Um, I've started book number two, which is Great to Green, 
um, which is about the green transformation. How do you start up in green and how do you turn big corporates into green companies, you know, when they're sort of transitioning from traditional manufacturing into sort of like green companies. So we started a huge research project to do that, which would be a lot of fun. Um, and I've got three girls under the age of three and a half. So that the rest of the time I'm busy with them. Oh, oh my gosh. Aren't you busy? Oh my God. Oh running, yeah. 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 Running a business, writing a book and three kids under three. Oh, how are you doing it? What's your secret to time management, Skip? Kids are an immovable object. I mean, once they, if you get, if you get that bit right, the rest of your day is going to be cool. If you don't get the kids right, the rest of your day is going to be SHIT. Um, <laughs> So that's the first point of departure. But I think, you know, you know, you can set it up so that you can create those spaces during the day, like my wife and I you know, both work full time. So, you know, um, we've got a nice structure, which means that we do have those spaces enough and we have to work at night, of course, if we have deadlines or stuff like that. But that, it's the only, you got you got to be flexible around when you can work, et cetera. But, you know, there are certain times of the day where we are focused on them. And if we do that right, everything else goes right so we can concentrate on our business when we do sit down at eight o'clock at night have a coffee and fire up the internet and away we go amazing amazing skip seriously it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show i'd listen Likewise. to you all day thank you so much <laughs> yeah it's a pleasure have a great one there you have it folks another insightful episode of the master your business podcast where we've explored the riveting world of business purpose and growth strategies with today's guest Skip Bowman. It's been an incredible journey unlocking the secrets to transform your business and truly make it thrive. I'd have spoken to Skip all day long and you can check out his contact information in the show notes and find the link to pre-order his book on Amazon. I'm Deirdre Martin, your host, and I want to thank you for tuning in and joining us on this enlightening adventure. Remember, the knowledge you've gained today can be the catalyst for your business success. So don't hesitate to implement those purpose-driven visions and innovative growth tactics. And again, please be sure to subscribe to the Master Your Business podcast for more invaluable insights, expert insights, expert interviews, and actionable tips to keep leveling up your branding, marketing, and customer experience. We're here to help you illuminate your path to success and empower you to conquer your biggest challenges along the way. Until next time, stay motivated, stay inspired, and best of all, keep mastering your business.